Our scripture lesson today is found in Paul's uh, letter to the church at Rome, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Listen now to God's word. What then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore we have been buried with Him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, and we'll certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His, We know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For whoever has died is freed from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. The death He died... He died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Lord, we, we ask in these next moments that we would be able to put aside the distractions... Uh, the anxieties, the worries of this day and of this hour and focus our attention upon you and hearing from you. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come and speak to every heart and mind here today. Uh, Help us, God, to appreciate in a new way, a new depth, uh, the gift of our baptism and what that means to us. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, of all the things that we do as Christians, probably the sacraments are are the weirdest of all from the point of view of an outsider looking in. In Holy Communion, we say that we are eating the body of and drinking the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior and Redeemer. In the first century, there is some evidence that Uh, folks misunderstood and thought maybe that Christians were cannibals. To make things even stranger, we sometimes dress our baby boys in white lacy gowns to look like girls, and then we sprinkle them with water. Or, in the case of my grandsons, they are stripped naked and dunked twice in water at their baptism. If you grew up in church... I want you to think how odd it is that one of the things that we do to declare our total allegiance to Jesus as our Lord and Savior is to allow ourselves to be immersed in or sprinkled with water. Uh, We're accustomed to it. But it does increasingly seem a bit weird to the world. Stranger still is the meaning of this, this act of baptism. Uh, Many Christians equate baptism with having your sins washed away. There are others who see baptism as essential 
to, to your sal salvation. If you're not baptized, you're not saved. But despite the disagreements, the differing opinions that professing Christian groups have about baptism, there is a depth of meaning that Honestly, I think all Christians should, should agree upon based on what Paul teaches here in Romans 6. Baptism is, is a symbolic death that drowns the old life in exchange for a resurrected new life. Now, this word baptism in Romans 6 is the Greek word baptizo, which means to dip. D-I-P, to dip in water. Uh, it can be used to describe uh, the dyeing of cloth. In secular Greek of that New, New Testament period, the word also meant to call something or someone to be overwhelmed by water, to perish. It was used to describe a ship that has sunk at sea or a person who had drowned. In New York City at St. Peter's Lutheran Church in Midtown Manhattan, there is a large baptistry near the entrance to the sanctuary. No one that comes into that church can miss it. It is there as soon as you walk through the door. And this particular one is made of stone. It's about three feet high, so it comes up to one's waist, most adults to their waist, and it is shaped like a tomb. It looks like a big stone coffin. The pastor explains that the most important thing about this ritual drowning, as he called it, is not how a person is baptized, whether it's by sprinkling, pouring, or immersion. He says it, it's what happens when the baptismal waters are applied to that person's life. His quote, we have to make sure that we use just enough water to kill people. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a rather strange way of speaking about something that we have historically associated with new life, as Tyler was telling the kids this morning. When we visited the Vatican on our Journeys of Paul cruise uh, several years ago, uh, I saw the death doors at St. Peter's Basilica sculptured in bronze. They were commissioned by the Pope in the 1950s. They were completed in the mid-1960s. And on one of those two doors, keep in mind this is one of the entrances into St. Peter's, there are these bronze reliefs. There are scenes of death. There is death by falling. There is death in war. There is death by crucifixion. And there is also one that portrays death by water. Seems strange to me to have scenes of death on the door of an entrance to a church building. Until you stop and think about it and remember that actually the Christian life begins by dying. In an unbroken tradition for 2,000 years, virtually all churches have practiced baptism. There are very, very few exceptions to this. We generally all agree, Protestants, Catholics, denominations of every stripe, that baptism marks your entry into the body of Christ uh, to become a member of the family of God. And it's also a way that we publicly identify with Jesus as our Savior and Lord. We use water because the Jews practiced 
ritual cleansing. There at the southern steps of the, of the Jewish temple, Herod's temple... ...that's contemporaneous with the time of Jesus... ...they have uncovered these mikvahs, these ritual baths... ...in which the Jews by the hundreds and thousands... ...would immerse themselves in water... ...before proceeding up the steps into the temple... ...to make sacrifice and to worship their God. But there are other reasons why we use water. Virtually every good thing that we can say about water... ...actually helps us to comprehend... ...the meaning of baptism. Uh, There's a reason why we use H2O and not dirt... (laughs) ...to baptize someone. Water is vital to life. Uh, In all of our exploration of the solar system and beyond... ...scientists are looking for evidence of water... ...on other bodies, other heavenly bodies, on planets. Because as we understand it, life cannot exist without water... Water fills the sack of a mother's womb during our development in pregnancy. Water makes up 60 to 65% of the human body. Men, for some reason, have more water in their bodies than women. And babies have the most, the highest percentage of water at about 75%. Water cleanses and renews our bodies. Water makes things grow. But water also can kill. We can easily drown in water if we don't know how to swim. A person can suffocate, can drown in water, just a little bit of water if if they are face down. Or or if you're sick, as my mother was with congestive heart failure, water accumulating in the lungs and around the heart can claim your life. Now, we, we don't have time to get bogged down in all the details of Romans 6 this morning. But I do want to focus on what Paul says about baptism and death. In both Colossians chapter 2 and here in Romans chapter 6... ...Paul says that we are buried with Christ in baptism. That we are buried with Christ in baptism. Here in Romans he asks, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus... ...were baptized into his death, into the death of Jesus. At least 16 times on those 11 verses that I read for you... ...there are references to death, dying, crucifixion, burial. Uh, It it is rich with, with meaning about death and dying at a spiritual level... ...but also in speaking of the sacrifice of Jesus. Whether we realize it or not... At the time of our baptism, which you may or may not be able to remember, the New Testament teaches that everyone dies in baptism. The old life dies when we get baptized. All of our sins are killed off through Christ's sacrificial death and they are ritualized in the act of baptism. All of our self-destructive tendencies are destroyed... Uh, Our addictions, uh, our our habits that destroy us and hurt others. Everything that enslaves us, that keeps us from experiencing the freedom that the gospel brings. That is broken up and busted in our baptism. Now granted, it's it's not fully realized uh, when we are baptized. Which is a one-off ritual. As United Methodist, we only baptize people one time. 
Could be as a child or an infant, could be as a teenager or as an adult. But this life-changing event, Scripture says, has the power and the potential to reshape our thinking and to transform our character so that we are more and more like Jesus as, this is important, as we continually die with Christ. In fact, Paul says as much in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Chapter 15, verse 31, he says, I die daily. I die daily, Paul says. While preparing this sermon, I stumbled across a photograph of a man who was baptized in our 830 service about four years ago. Andrew and I both had a, a part in that service. He was immersed in this, this same tub by Andrew. And for a while, he attended worship faithfully. And then he began to slack off a little bit. And, and then finally, he just disappeared. Wouldn't respond to any outreach whatsoever. Uh, phone calls, text messages. And I wondered what in the world had happened to him. He was so joyful on that day. It was obvious that his baptism was a very momentous occasion for him. And so when I found that photograph yesterday, I thought, I'm just going to email that to him. And I ask him this, I hope you're still walking with the Lord. I prayed for you today. And with a matter of minutes, I received a response that simply said, thank you. What does baptism mean for daily living after the fact? Martin Luther, the Protestant reformer, said 500 years ago in his small catechism, it means that our old sinful self with all of its evil deeds and desires should be drowned through daily repentance. I love that phrase. Should be drowned through daily repentance and that day after day a new self should arise to live with God in righteousness and purity forever. Luther believed... And rightly so, in my opinion, that we should remember our baptism often, if not every single day, and, and live into its meaning and its purpose. Connie frequently told our boys as teenagers and as young men, as they were leaving the house to go out into the world to do whatever, she always said to them, remember who you are. Last week when I was in Portland for a couple of days with her and Jared and Laura were about to leave for Las Vegas to meet up with a high school friend for a couple of days. She said it again, remember who you are, Jared. Do you know who you are? Do you know what Jesus Christ has done for you? Are you remembering, remembering what your baptism meant for your journey? Your lifelong journey with Christ. I, I love this, this story that I encountered this week in my sermon preparation. It's about evangelist uh, Juan Carlos Ortiz. And he talks about how baptism is practiced in his church in Argentina. Listen to this. He writes, for a long time I was baptizing people, but it was just a nice ceremony for me. We had photographers, we had nice robes, we had a choir singing in the back. It was quite a show. And then, and then God started to renew our church. He said, I began to understand a deeper meaning to baptism. 
So he began to baptize using a different formula. Now, he continued to follow the commandment of Jesus in Matthew 28... ...baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit... But he changed it up a bit. And as, as the person was being immersed in the water of baptism, he said this, I kill you in the name of Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and I make you born into the kingdom of God to serve Him and to please Him. Paul says in verse 4 that in baptism we die. We die to self. We die to sin so that we might walk in newness of life. And, and that's why Paul says in verse 1 of this chapter, which is hearkening back to chapter 5 in Romans, that, that though God gives abundant grace where sin is present, Paul says God's eagerness and, and, and willingness to forgive and save us, that's the meaning of grace, is not a license to sin. Uh, just because God is full of love and grace and mercy doesn't mean you can go and live like there's no tomorrow. He asked in verses 1 and 2, should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Seminary professor D.A. Carson talks about meeting with a young man from West Africa. ...for the purpose of helping him learn German. He wanted to get his doctorate in engineering at a German university... ...but his German was not very good and Carson was fluent... ...so the two met together on a regular basis for lessons. One day Carson said, well let's, let's go to lunch together. And at that lunch he began to learn about his personal life. He found out that his wife was studying to be a medical doctor in, in London, England... He also learned from the man in a moment of, of transparency and confession that once or twice a week he was seeing a prostitute. Eventually Carson asked him what he would do if he discovered that his wife across the ocean in England was also being unfaithful to him while they were apart. And he said, oh, I would kill her. Carson responded, that's a bit of a double standard, don't you think? And the man responded, you don't understand. Where I come from in Africa, the husband has the right to sleep with many women. But if a wife is unfaithful to her husband, she must be killed. And then Carson asked the man, he said, but, but you told me that you were raised in a mission school, in a Christian environment. You know that the God of the Bible does not have double standards like that for men and women. And he gave Carson a big smile and replied, Ah, God is good. He required to forgive us. That's his job. No, it is not God's job to enable us to sin. He has set us free from such nonsense. And our baptism reminds us of this. Remember what Luther said about our baptism. It means that our old sinful self with all of its evil deeds and desires should be drowned daily through repentance. Daily through repentance. And that day after day a new self should arise to live with God in righteousness and purity forever. You know, one practical way you could remember your baptism 
and the significance of that event in your life is whenever you get in the shower or you take a bath in the tub uh, or you wash the dishes in the kitchen sink or the car out in the driveway. Whenever you encounter water, train your thinking to remember your baptism. I read about a pastor this week who had a conversation, short conversation with the guy he was about to immerse, to baptize. And he, he said to him, he said, uh, Sir, why do you want to be baptized? And the guy said, well, I'm looking for Jesus. And the pastor uh, thought that was good. So uh, he put him under the water, held him down for a few seconds, brought him back up. And uh, he said, well, did you find Jesus? And the man said, uh, no, no, I, I didn't find Jesus. So the pastor took him down again and held him a little bit longer. And then pulled him up and said, did you find Jesus? And he was choking and gasping for breath at this point. And he says, no, pastor, I didn't see Jesus. And he takes him under a third time and brings him back up and says again, did you find Jesus? And the guy said, pastor, I don't think he's down there. Now, that's probably not a true story, but it teaches a deep truth. Christ's body did not stay in the cemetery, did it? I mean, that's why we're here today. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, I want to worship Him today. He is not down there. He is risen. And Paul says here in verse 4 that Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father... So we too might walk in newness of life. Paul repeats this resurrection theme over and over in this passage. Verse 5, verse 8, verse 10, verse 11. He talks about our living Lord. Jesus who died and went to the grave was raised back to life by the glory of the Father. You that are baptized have been buried with Christ in baptism. You who are baptized have died with Christ in baptism. You who were buried with Christ in baptism are also raised to new life in that same baptism. Are you dead yet? Are you alive in Christ? Christ. 